0: Down the Via Dolorosa In Jerusalem that day The soldiers tried to clear The narrow streets But the crowd pressed in to see This man condemned to die On Calvary He was bleeding from a beating, there were stripes upon his back. And he wore a crown of thorns upon his head. And he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death. Down the Via Dolorosa called the Way of Suffering. Like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. But he chose to walk that road out of his love for you and me. Down the Via Dolorosa, all the way to Calvary. Blood that would cleanse the souls of all men made its way through the heart. Dola Rosa.
1: I have to say to Harvey, I really do not feel that it is fair to make us ask us to preach after something like that. That is that that was beautiful. Thank you so very much. Um, God has a sense of humor. Maybe I'm sitting in the pew, listening, enjoying, and my phone rings, and it's my mother. So <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you know, later. Okay, I'll get back to mom in just a moment. It, it is my joy to uh, be able to be here with you and, and share some thoughts with you today. One of my favorite things to do during Holy Week is, is to reflect. I was reminded of uh, what the Gospels tell us about Mary, the mother of Jesus, that she pondered things in her heart about Jesus And Holy Week gives us an opportunity to ponder things about Jesus because Jesus is the focus, the topic, the subject at hand uh, for Holy Week. And today we have come together on Good Friday. And yes, it is uh, good to ponder why we call this Good Friday. It is certainly good for us. Was not necessarily good for Jesus, and we're going to talk about that for a moment, uh, but certainly uh, it was good for us. And I think, in, in some sense, of the word, and I take this from Hebrews 12, you may know and recall, it was for the joy that was before him that he went to the cross and, and you know, dealt with the, the shame, despising the shame. He, he suffered the agony of the cross. For the joy that was before him, I I believe Jesus looked beyond the cross to resurrection and beyond resurrection to Pentecost and beyond Pentecost to see the church birthed and and to see what God would do in and through the church that he loved so much and uh, that he started with his own life. (laughs) As I looked at the lectionary reading for today... Uh, I took careful note that it's John 181 through 1942. So we have 82 verses to cover this morning before 12:35. and I've already been told, I haven't even eaten lunch. keep it short. Uh, so with your stomachs in mind, uh, I will just address a portion, but I believe it's important, an important portion because it sets into motion the things, that you see in John 18 and 19 because we have the betrayal all the way through laying Jesus in a tomb in these two chapters. I would like to take a few moments to look at John 18 verses 1 through 12, uh, in particular the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus our Lord and Savior. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, if this does not read exactly how your Bible may read. John 18, verse 1 and following. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, he said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. This is the word of God for the people of God. As I ponder these verses in John's Gospel, I wonder what hurt Jesus the most. The stripes on his back the crown of thorns on his head, being nailed hands and feet to a wooden cross and then being suspended between heaven and earth, are the pain of a broken heart. The physical pain lie just ahead. Yet the pain of a broken heart may have started or at least continued here just outside the garden. Jesus knew one of his maybe quote-unquote followers would betray him. Earlier in the Gospel of John, we remember Jesus shared the words, the truth is, one of you will betray me. Sometimes the truth hurts. That comma after the phrase, the truth is, is almost like a pregnant pause filled with pain so great that it may have taken a gasp of breath to continue the statement in its completion. Jesus at least had to catch himself before completing the sentence with one of you will betray me. Even after having his feet washed by Jesus, Jesus said Judas was still not clean. Cleanliness speaks more of the condition of the heart than the body, in particular on this occasion. Jesus had spoken, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus said, the truth is, one of you will betray me. Jesus knew. What was once now a prophetic statement was now in this moment in time reality. In John's Gospel, chapter 18. John calls him Judas the betrayer. When all is said and done in our lives and our lives have come to an end, we want to be known as something more than the betrayer. How we order our lives, how we spend our lives will determine in large part how people remember us when life ends. Judas, one of the original twelve to be called to share in the ministry of Jesus, now stands before Jesus as the one who betrays him. Jesus knew what was coming, and Jesus knew who it would be. So it makes me want to ask the question, does knowing keep it from hurting any less? Probably not. We're just not so caught off guard. We're not blindsided. Every time the physician or the dentist says to me, this is going to be just a little stick, it doesn't make the shot any less painful. Sometimes the pain is so intense I want to say, hey, if that's just a little stick, I don't want to know what real pain is. You've been there. You've done that. Amen. Nonetheless, I am aware the shot is about to happen. Jesus was aware of what was about to happen. He had prepared himself in the garden during a powerful time of prayer. And I would really encourage you to go back again and and look at Jesus' prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. Because you're going to find some wonderful, powerful, important things there. As we looked again this year in the weeks leading up to Holy Week and even this week, we find that there in the garden, Jesus found strength. In that moment of prayer, the angel of the Lord came to him and strengthened him. And in that moment of strength, he didn't smile and get up and walk away from prayer. Luke's gospel, I believe, tells us he prayed even more fervently. Because he knew what was ahead. Not only did he gain strength in that moment, he gained clarity. We read in uh, verse 4, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. But you remember in the prayer, he said, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That inner question mark was answered. Yes, this is the Father's will. He had clarity. He had strength. And because of that time in prayer, because of strength and clarity, he was able to stand up and go forth with resolve. He was determined to journey through, to press through what was ahead, no matter how painful it would be. Again in verse 4, He knew what was going to happen, so he stepped forward to meet them. He stepped forward to meet his betrayer. He stepped forward to meet those who would arrest him and take him to trial. Jesus would drink the cup of suffering the Father has given him. The soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up in the company of Judas, the betrayer. Speaking of this very moment, back in John's Gospel, verse chapter 13, Jesus quoted, at least in part, Psalm 41, 9, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Have you ever been betrayed by a close friend? Some of those inner wounds, the the pains of the heart and the soul, can be more devastating than a physical injury. We wonder what could possess a man so that he would lift up his heel against his friend, especially a friend like Jesus. Wow. Wow. Maybe misplaced priorities, deception, temptation, sin, an evil heart, Satan. They're all possibilities. They all have a role to play. But let us remember, if not careful, we too could make similar mistakes and commit similar sins. Even to Peter, Jesus once said, get behind me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And now in this moment, in that same spirit perhaps, Peter draws his sword, slashing off the high priest's ear, or the high priest's slave's ear, only to hear Jesus say, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Even as Judas the betrayer, Stood before Jesus, it appears that Judas was among those Jesus included in his comment, and since I am the one you want, let the others go. Jesus holds true to who Jesus is. It says much to me about Jesus to think that Jesus invited Judas to be a part of the original twelve disciples, sending him out with another to share the good news of the kingdom of God. And including Judas in the moment when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, all the while knowing that one day, this day, Judas would betray him. Even now, Jesus says, let these others go. Maybe since Judas had gone over to the dark side, so to speak, Jesus was only referring to the other eleven. Nevertheless, what Jesus now had to do, he would do alone. The rest of the passage for today details the trial, the scourging, the crucifixion, the death, and the burial of Jesus. Yes, Jesus chose to drink from the cup of suffering and death so that he could bring glory to God in victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and then receive the glory due his name. Jesus looked forward to that day even if it meant suffering along the way. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him would endure the cross, despising the shame and would sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now Jesus shares his victory with us. That's what makes today a good day. Jesus, knowing the corruptness of the human heart provided a way by which we might receive a new one. As we place our faith in Christ, we too are empowered to live in victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave, and are given the privilege to live throughout eternity with the Lord and with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us all, but only those who believe have everlasting life. Jesus tells us that in that familiar verse, often quoted, much published, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, understanding the Father's heart, mind, and will, chose the cross, the cup of suffering, because he would rather die than live without us. May we give him the glory due his name. Today is Friday. And Jesus makes it good. So my prayer for you today is that you have a blessed Good Friday all day long. Amen and amen.